Welcome back to the Brooklyn Poets Yopcast for July 9th, 2018. Featuring poet Lee Stein leading our workshop and kicking off the open mic. I am your host and MC once again, Jason Koo. The Brooklyn Poets Yop is a monthly poetry workshop and open mic held at 61 Local in Cobble Hill. That's at 61 Bergen Street, off Smith Street, near the Bergen Street FG stop. For more info and to sign up, go to brooklynpoets.org. This month's open mic lineup featured Bonnie Belay, Gerald Wagoner, Joe Nasta, Isaac Myers III, Julia Knobloch, Nalisa Walthour, Kamiya Kumar, Victoria Brown, Julie Hart, Marietta Brill, Creighton Blinn, Tiffany Clark, Richard Fine, Emily Wilkinson, Arthur Russell, Shara Hardison, Emily Blair, Helen Hutner, Liz Adams, and Jen Ozero. So, let's get right to the action. The Brooklyn Poets Yop open mic for July. Enjoy. Welcome, everyone. Oh, shit. How did that happen? The recording has begun and the party files have already started. (laughs) Definitely the first time a spilled beer has been recorded at the beginning of this open mic. Uh, Welcome. Wow. It's a lot more festive than I thought it would be. Uh, This is the... I'm so flustered right now. I don't know what to do. My feet (laughs) standing in a pool of beer. Uh, This is the Brooklyn Poets Yop open mic. Uh, If you haven't been here before, welcome. Uh, This is uh, my favorite open mic for sure. (laughs) And I know the favorite open mic of Arthur probably, unless it's your your reading in New Jersey, uh, which we'll get to talk about later. Uh, Many of you are back from the Hamptons, I know. So uh, give a round of applause for yourselves for for not being... uh, for not being too cool to show up to our other events now that you've been to the Hamptons. Uh, you'll be glad to know I have reserved the house for next year. It's pretty awesome. Didn't even have to put a deposit down. And the, she liked us so much, she was like, you can have the dates. <laughs> yeah, when does that ever happen? But uh, sometimes wealthy people are super nice and super flexible. Uh, if they're, tr- I guess, if, you're tr- if they're trying to help the poets. Uh, most of you have no idea what I'm talking about, but that's cool. Uh, we do an annual retreat in the Hamptons. It just happened. You can check out our website if you want to come to that next year. So, uh, a few ground rules for the open mic. If you haven't been here before, especially, I love how Tim is just doing this triage work on the floor, but uh, carry on, sir. Um, if you are reading tonight... I'm still working on guilt and shame. <laughs> sure. what, what does this constitute? Is this guilt or shame? It's, I, think, I think it's just... <laughs> Uh, you shouldn't feel too bad. I mean, it's, you know, that happens. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I like how everyone has a very, everyone has a very refined distinction between them. That tells me a lot about the people in this room. <laughs> I couldn't believe, like, Julie was just like, I know. <laughs> like, you've been thinking about that your whole life. <laughs> Which is probably a good thing. Um, yeah, exactly. 
So if you haven't been here before and you are reading tonight, you get three minutes max on the mic. You get one poem. Uh, every now and then somebody sneaks in two. Uh, we do notice. Uh, you know, it's fine, I guess, as long as, as, long as you're under the three. Uh, you know, we do record the open mic as a podcast. So first of all, you should know that if you don't want to be in the recording, you can tell me and I can take you off. But the other thing about that is I have all of the time of your readings. So <laughs> when I edit this motherfucker and I see you've read for seven minutes, which does happen sometimes, uh, you will get an email from me. <laughs> Be like, next time, please stay under your time limit. Uh, we do also vote for Poem of the Month every month, and the winner of poems of the w the winners of Poem of the Month over the past year, they compete for Poem of the Year honors in December at the December Open Mic. Uh, so yes, the December Smackdown, I should say, the Poem of the Year Smackdown at the December Yup. So the way to vote for Poem of the Month is by texting me the name of the poet or the poet. Really, the name of the poet is fine. Uh, I will give you my number for the first time tonight. I will give it to you repeatedly <laughs> throughout the evening, so uh, don't feel like you have to get it now. But if you have a pen handy or your phone, who has a pen? I mean, just write on your friggin' phone. 718-374-1953. Uh, yeah, here's some pens. <laughs> you want to do it the analog way? Yeah. Has anyone in here gotten somebody's number by pen lately? They'd be like, hey, can I get your number? And they're just like, hey, you got a pen? <laughs> just like, that, was, that used to happen. People would write their number on your back of your hand or something. And then you just like wear it around and be like, I got a number. <laughs> that, that really has never happened in my life, but uh, that would have been cool, I guess, if that, if that did happen. Anyway, 718-374-1953 is the number of vote for Poem of the Month. I ask that you wait till the end of the open mic to do that till you hear all of the poems, of course. Um, and uh, did I forget anything, Arthur? Three no, minutes. Really I think that's, think that's it, right? So <laughs> Every month you have the same tone. It's, it's just a little warier, <laughs> which I love. <laughs> I know. It's, it's hard to recreate that, that youthful optimism that uh, we've lost Ricky and we've lost a little part of ourselves. He just, he just, he's got other things to do now. I mean, where did you go until tonight? You've been gone too. You know? What's your excuse? Is that guilt? I think that's guilt that I see in your face. <laughs> Brief hiatus. Yeah, it certainly should not be shame. I mean, what the if fuck? If she was ashamed, she wouldn't have stolen my chair. <laughs> I don't know what that's about. <laughs> okay, so before the open mic proper begins, we are going to hear from our featured reader tonight, Lee Stein. Give it up for Lee. I'm going to break the evening's rules and read two poems. One is new, one is old. This is the new poem. Yeah, it's called The Real. Everything I know about female friendship, I learned from shows with The Real in the title. How to confront someone who's stolen your brand. How to cause a scene while writing a book on manners how to discuss your husband's suicide on camera. I don't have boundaries as much as I have bridges I have lit and turned away from as they burned, preferring ultimate ruin to confrontation, like the kidnapping of Helen becomes moot when there's a war that needs its soldiers. The real problem is my pattern of falling in love with women who say I'm all they've got and then failing to achieve my purpose of serving as their universe. For the season finale, I wore a flamingo costume. Long story. 
and was too conspicuous to miss, nursing my pina colada while I inventoried the loves of my life, all the girls whose, bed I'd, whose beds I'd slept in when they threatened harm, and how we called each other sister until our family was just like any other, wrecked by different interpretations of a single wound. Thank you. Excellent crowd, A-plus crowd. Okay, um, then I'm going to read a poem called Dispatch from the Future, probably the only optimistic poem I've ever written, but uh, maybe relevant to today. Dispatch from the Future. Yes, I am writing to you from there. Yes, in the future, we have excitement. Also, a forgiveness economy. All IOUs are tied to balloon strings and released into the atmosphere in an environmentally responsible way. Lunch is free for everybody. Lunch is peanut butter sandwiches sliced on the, di on the diagonal by mothers. We are sparkly. Everything is pleasure, but we are also acutely empathetic like children. When one starts crying, another answers a fugue state. We are sparkly, but we also remember what it was like before we were. We can relate to our past selves, dull like mercury, alluvial soil just after the earthquake. It's hard to know which disaster to expect, yet no one ever thinks, I don't want to do anything except sleep forever, maybe. Yes, in the future, we are prepared for what we cannot prepare for. We are sparkly for a reason. Our country depends on us for a kind of warning entertainment. In the future, we never make pilgrimages to disaster sites. We lay flowers on the brows of the living. Thanks, you guys. Thank you, Lee. She has her books for sale back there uh, if you want to buy one. She's leaving at 9, by the way, so if you want to buy a book, you're going to have to go during the open mic. Um, it's been a while, right? Our, I was talking about like our friendship <laughs> in a good way. Um, I met Lee online back in like, when, like the two, that was like 2007 or something. Back when like meeting people online was still like charming. And now it's like, yeah, it was like, I was, you know, I was trying to make it sound good. Yeah, weird slash charming. <laughs> but I met Lee when I published some of her poems. And uh, anyone remember Low Rent in here? It was the greatest journal ever that had three three issues that I was the poetry editor for. My friend started it. And my friend started it and let it die. <laughs> he just got sick of it. And then he, we couldn't talk him out of it. But uh, it was a great journal. And, uh, and then we, I moved here. You were, I think we're already here. And uh, now, and then Lee just became this like mogul, <laughs> this like feminist mogul. And uh, if you don't know that already, you you, just, you should catch up. Uh, she's amazing. So definitely read her work and uh, follow the shit out of her. And you know whatever platform you want to do that on, uh, and take her workshop because there's lots of space in it and it's gonna be awesome. So our first reader off the open mic is an amazing poet. She has some problems with printers sometimes. She told me about. Give it up for Bonnie Belay.
reading glasses, so I'm going to read with this. And the first poem I'm going to read, and the only poem I'm going to read, is called Shame, which is uh, suitable for tonight. Um, I made it longer from with those people who heard it before. Shame. I couldn't forgive Arella. There were reasons. She died years ago. How long am I? Do I hold on to the guilt of never calling her back? I talked Maria into going on a diet with me. I told her she was doing it all wrong. I saw her, I was her employer. She quit her job. I left a lame apology. I had an affair with Joe Delaney. I didn't care about his wife and kids. An Hispanic woman tried to befriend me. I listened to the neighbors say she was low class and I ignored her. Sarah told me she had MS. I never acknowledged the fear in her eyes. She was very young and had two tiny children. And then she moved away. I was nine. The doctor had his hands all over me. My mother watched and said nothing. My mother watched my father beat me. I slapped three people in public. Twice I was slapped back. You didn't get it all, by the way, Tim. You're still. I'm just kidding. I'm just totally kidding. Thank you, Bonnie. That was amazing. As usual, our next poet just apparently was writing his last name and just gave up after the third letter. Give it up for Gerald Wagg. When I was teaching, that used to be my nickname was Wags, and I was just like, and I got to like it. Okay, uh, alien energy transfer technology, a theory of monumental sculpture. Could he have conceived the hype on the back of an old comic book for a low, low price, half cobalt blue, founding a land of slavery in the cause of America? In the movies, it is easy. Outscale, st balloon, steel, balloon, flower, red. In the next scene, she is March-born in Georgia to spring-freed slaves. Surface alone sparks blood orange. In the movies, it is easy. Daedalus fashion dreamt things. Each prison feather, comb-caressed wax. The boys back to earth, long bronze fall. Could he love a son who did not soar? In the movies, it is easy. A sister with her husband builds a bridge to span time. The father of waters flows unvexed to the sea. But where are the better angels of our nature? In the movies, it is easy. She is now an obscure illusion, leaf-covered, now stamped in gold. Let me not fail to weather this empty cement pool. In the movies, it is easy. The master modeled the horses. 
taught heroes heart from the shop, broken by a short man reflected on a dark mare. Scar me, they entreat. In the movies, it is easy. Against Revolutionary War, candy-red soldiers, he would never have drawn his sword, obscured now by street art to mark a myth of place soon to be replaced. In the movies, it is easy. They damn the torpedoes, run rust-clad through iron blasts left and right, full speed ahead into the whim of fashion, always the final climatic conflagration. In the movies, it is easy. Thank you, Gerald. Our next poet was one of the people in the Hamptons. We had a good time together, especially the last night. We're all up to three in the morning. He was the one waking me up. He's like, Jason, wake up. And uh, yeah, I was nodding off. So thank you. Thank you for that, Joe. Give it up for Joe Nasta. How could I describe the ending to you? The sky opens, but you cannot see the sun. It's blocked by the clock tower of Union Station. You can take the train between two places with that same name, but you can look up at the sun or a clock tower and wonder when from almost anywhere. You are neither the first nor the last to be alone. As you depart softly in the middle of the day, nobody hears your footsteps between the splatters of rain. Step on every orange leaf and every crack, snap. The train will be here soon. You are not the first and you are not the last. Crinkle, no one has noticed. We are all just waiting, fallen leaves irregularly spaced along the sidewalk. Each of us will be you here alone next to the track. The treetops shake across the street. The clouds move with the wind. You hear the whistle as you throw your body forward. Thanks. Thank you, Joe. We conferenced over that poem when I was hungover, and uh, hopefully you didn't notice. But you were probably hungover too. Right, so it like evens out, right? Cancels, hangers, hangovers cancel each other out, right? <laughs> I like how you shook your head immediately. How do you know? <laughs> that's true. They, that's yeah. All right, let's not think about it. Our next reader is a very fine poet, also an entrepreneur in the literary world. Give it up for Isaac Myers the third. One poem, so. The Waiting. We are driving, it is raining where we park. There have been pitters and patters, sounds of drops against the roof upon the windshield. The wipers have taken them away. They have returned, the wipers have taken them away. And they have returned. Minneapolis summers do not begin early, and we do not begin early. I have cut tomatoes with you. We have boiled the rice. Women in navy blouses have asked me questions I could not answer. 
A dying cigarette has been pushed out against the fire escape. My feet I have rested on the steps. Out there we have heard the first echoes of thunder, of voices, of mothers calling from a distance their children home again, the running footsteps we have watched with the night. We have overcome with time the two of us with age. A pencil has been snapped and taped together, snapped, tapped, and mended together once more. I have thought of you across an ocean. Men in cufflinks have asked me about you. I have run out of reliances, out of vices. I have felt not tired, and standing before the mirror, looking into my reason for myself, I have been glad to blink. Old ageless women with nephews have wished me good afternoon. I have offered yes, you as well. Your gifts, I haven't seen you in forever, what that brings. You give what it leaves behind, what it winters. We get spurts of each other, not knowing what to do with them. I am walking, doubting your absence. I want to not italicize your name. I have stood cold and empty at night. A woman I've never known has always been crying beside me. It's the we need space that suddenly is the late summer Saturday afternoon, the walking taco falling apart and onto your sandal. Won't you pour another drink past his autumn? The bike rack clicked, closed, and locked for the season. It's been a shame before I have picked up the phone, dialed the number, waited, stood up, then set the receiver gently down again. I am jogging with my mind the how many months you are leaving. I am helping you pack, bringing the everywhere suitcases down from the attic window we crawled through onto the roof, having spring for free. The across the street, way over and down there, flowers opening themselves, accepting our about them words with you. I have walked January sidewalks across the city in search of who am I? A question upon a question, last year's Minnesota. I am driving north through sleets over ice to see you. Under snow pulled back, we are younger, running beside you. I am setting the brick down before the front door, kicking it into place, then retying my shoe. You are the only three months in Madrid, and I am the waiting. Thank you. Thank you. Damn good, as always. Who was it that pointed You were pointing out, right? Someone pointed out, like yesterday, that was you, right? Yeah. I always say, damn good, apparently, <laughs> if I like something. I was like, how dare you? I don't say that. No, apparently, I do say that. Our next reader has an amazing poem for you tonight, at least unless she's changed her mind. She uh, workshopped this poem at the Brooklyn Poets Retreat, so I can personally vouch for it. Hopefully, you like it. Uh, I think it's incredible. Give it up for Julia Knobloch. this introduction, what could I do? Um, yeah, I was in fact undecided, but this class sort of convinced me to read the um, subversive poem that the good immigrant should not read, or even write. <laughs> it's called Gasp. I have lived heat waves that deserve their name. I don't need a cold weather warning to bundle up. I have known people who don't confuse politeness and conformity with wisdom and authenticity. I have confided in friends without being accused of TMI. I have smoked cigarettes without being accused of moral flaws by a society that mistakes appropriateness for righteousness. I know people who write about what breaks them, not about lessons learned, best principles, sports similes, pussies, dicks, drugs, and fuck, fuck, fuck. Hellhole of strive and strife, of convenience and complacency, where people say, ouch, 
when you tell them what hurts you, where vulgarity is considered genuine, but being silly will cost you the second chance you never had, where they have a term and acronym for everything, where rosé wine and purple cabbage mark the season's changes, where justice equals cleansing actions, where for-profit activists are charity idols, where there is no difference between convictions and performance, where you can always reinvent yourself, with the proper degree, where everyone screams renewal before they knew what to renew, where hipsters go to the Met to boast your status, where the left side of the escalator is clogged with androids, hive mind. Is it ethical to order in during a storm? <laughs> it's a shame, healthcare in this country. Let's do lunch. <laughs> yes, this is a bitter, jaded rant. I want to be part of something, but I never fit in. I want to rant without having to announce, rant over. I won't let myself be brainwashed to belong to the team. I want to hear people argue when they don't agree. I don't want their frugal smiles. I don't want to care for a triple monogram. I am so through with irony. I want summer to last longer than Labor Day. I want to live in a society that shames abusers outside the workplace, where people know that fake is fake and fraud is fraud, no matter how cute or witty, where people are concerned, not offended, when you don't show up, where people are wild and controlled, no feels like like fascists, always too hot or too cold, people who live the values they post to their fridges or walls, who will go the extra mile without bragging because really, it's not that far. No, I don't want ice cream. I don't want marathon and restaurant week, Springsteen on Broadway, brunch special. That's how New York eats. I want to vomit. <laughs> Allen Ginsberg. Aren't you sick of everyone imitating you? I don't even howl, I only gasp. I might get what you were getting at, but I don't rise to eternity with angels, Mohammedan or Indian. I don't hallucinate with Blake and Gilgamesh. You took too many drugs, but you may have been an honest person. Carl Solomon was lucky to have you as a friend. Allen Ginsberg, you are not with me, but can you tell me where I'm going? Where is the American River? Where is that cottage for me to show up in tears at night? What is American poetry? Thank you. <laughs> what I tell you? Damn good. <laughs> damn, damn motherfucking good. Uh, wow, I feel I feel renewed now. So to uh, to review the first five poets, that was Julia Noblick, Isaac Myers the third, Joe Nasta, Gerald Wagoner or Wag, just write Wag if you want for him. That's fine. Bonnie Belay. Our next reader, I believe, is a newcomer. Correct me if I'm wrong, and I may butcher your name. So also correct me if I do that. Nalesa Waltour. What is it? That's so much prettier. Nalisa Walthour. Walthour? Walthour. Give it up for Nalisa. Um, I've been working with some restraints, and so this is inspired by uh, those of you who know what ichphrasis is, um, except this one's a, um, commenting on a piece of music rather than a piece of artwork. <clears throat> Philip sings his Lagos lullaby, and I wonder, am I to get at the root of something here? Be transported, transmogrified? I stay bound, pot-bound, planted. I can't get at the roots. When I do, I can't control them. I'm not dexterous, soil under nails in my creases, sweat under my arms in my pit, grit. 
I've gotten spades, but how do I rectify, realign, reconfigure, reconstruct? How to unpack desires, disappointments, realizations, the dying? I don't understand these tribal words, the depths he's gone to decrypt some ancient ritual curse, wolf incantation, solitary. How unkind to have no kind. I need an uprooting, fresh soil, fresh air, more suns, other suns. His wail unearths me. I want to smack it down, bury his freedom to mourn. How do I let go without losing more? Each day, a little less, a little death blooms before me. Thank you. Thank you, Nalisa. That was your first time, right? Yeah, welcome. Great stuff. Our next poet uh, may also be a debuter. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Also, correct me if I screw up your name. Is, is it Kamiya Kumar? Kamiya. Kamiya Kumar. Give it up for Kamiya. Um, that's good. Thank you. Hi, everyone. Um, so this baby is called, Don't Come Knocking on My Door. There was a knock on my door. Who could it be? I wasn't expecting anyone. I looked through the peephole. It was fear. I didn't open the door. I didn't let it in. Why should I? I looked at it and it wasn't for me. It's never been. Every single time I reiterate to myself, I reiterate to my mind that fear and I don't see eye to eye. But the mind is such a wanderer. It's not mine, it's not yours. And so it continues to haunt. It thinks that its sole role is to own your thoughts and be the passageway for them to pass, revisit, and continue to last. So I decided to introduce my mind to yoga and meditation. I'd heard it would thereafter, more often than not, park itself at an immobile station. It was truly a beautiful sensation. I felt stillness, I felt calm, I felt tranquil. There was unification, there was harmony, there was divinity. It was just the universe and me. Pachamama was becoming a source of glee. But just when I thought my unwanted guest had left for good, I was met with a rude shock. The uninvited and the unwanted had crept in through a crevice and decided it wanted to settle in my heart. It started getting comfortable, enough to think that my heart was its new home, rearing into action almost every time I was taking in a breath, physically constricting my heart and chest, slowly starting to impact my zest, my curiosity, my wonder, my belief in myself, anything old and everything new. I stepped back and took a moment to self-reflect, as I often do. Why wasn't my unwanted guest leaving when asked to depart? Why did it think it could continue to stay? Was it the prison of adulthood? Where it brought its friend anxiety to curb trust, hope, simplicity, and spontaneity, making me brood on my way forward, my career, future, and umpteen roles and responsibilities? It tried hard to convince me that I couldn't do what I set my heart and soul on, that I had to rethink everything I engaged with and beyond. Well, this naive guest of mine was so highly mistaken, thinking it could attempt to own what would never belong. It has knocked at the wrong door. It will never be able to call this heart home. How much ever I tried, the guest needed to know that this heart was her own person, 
She would always, always be free-spirited, a seeker breaking through and doing things differently. She would never give up. She would fall, yet rise incessantly. She would embrace instead her guest, the transient visitor, embracing and then gently letting go. Without the guest itself realizing that it has sailed past the dock, simultaneously releasing it from its own suffering, pain, and need to hold on, liberating both our bodies, mind, breath, and soul. Because we could coexist, but when there's no value being added, why stay? I say continue to float, search, feel, explore, and discover. A better me, a better world. Because by the end of it, what really is the purpose of being here? In my opinion, to be absolutely happy, dancing away to glory, being there for each other, painting our own canvases and authoring our very own production and stories, not focusing on the outcomes and what's next, what others think, rather what I want, what's best, what's now, what's here. This is the moment, this exact moment to optimize, to feel, to live, to embrace and celebrate. Thank you. Thank you, Kamia. Well done. We have another Yop debuter. Again, <laughs> correct me if I'm wrong. I'm already getting sick of myself saying that phrase. Give it up for Victoria Brown. started writing this piece at the beginning of a relationship and then just uh, let it keep writing itself, basically. Um, I've fallen in like with a very tall man, again. He has these kind blue eyes like he was raised by a pack of female wolves. His face is too sweet, like the worst toothache you've ever had. He's never once touched my ass without me putting his hand there first. <laughs> Last weekend, he built his own computer. One afternoon, eating peaches together, I realized I had drawn blood from my gums. And I laid back in awe, my own body bleeding out, trying to please him. Some would say, weak gums, others, a fury for love. For eyes that beam like tiny moons, a kindredness of spirit that too muchness, but not quite enoughness of being together, like when you're on top of each other, but you could still be closer if only your hearts could high five. But the longer I stay, the smaller I become, melting into the warmth, holding out for dear life. The night you left, I slid into my bed, my body expanding more than usual without your long limbs taking up space and released a very audible, Thank you. Hey, Victoria. Wow, I'm just, just multitasking like a motherfucker right now. <laughs> like, taking photos, trying to sign my book for Lee, tweeting this shit. <laughs> Making sure I keep track of this. Also, I'm like, uh, I'm leaving the country on Thursday, and I'm getting married on July 28th, so I'm like. <laughs> you like how I just, I just like slid that info in there? You know, get a little gratuitous applause. Uh, also, a little sympathy if I forget something. Okay, our next reader is going to read one of my very favorite poems uh, on the theme of the night. I'm sure you'll know it, Lee. Give it up for Julie Hart. 
Um, I was so happy to see that Lee wrote my name on that little sheet you guys got. And um, I just thought, it's a short poem. I'll just go right ahead. <laughs> Resting bitch face. My face no longer settles into smile. I want, but cannot turn it upside down. It feels too much like simple-minded guile. Genetically, it is the Cooney frown. It's not that I'm angry or judgmental, accusing you of things you didn't do. Authentic's not the same as sentimental. I'll smile when you say something that is true. I can't police my face to make you happy. It's, my mind is busy thinking my own thoughts. It's not my job to fix you when you're crappy. Your narcissism's showing and self-doubt. Not sweet like sugar, but like cinnamon. Won't, sugar, won't candy coat your bitterness again. Thank you. Sorry, I just got a just got a tweet. It's not my job to fix you when you're crappy. <laughs> uh, if you want to take that poem home with you, you can buy the Broken Poets Anthology. It's over there. That's where that poem was published in. Yeah, <laughs> I like that voice you just used. You already have it. Uh, it's not my job to fix you when you're crappy. Yeah, let's all remember that tonight. Okay, it's such an amazing thing to. Say. Have you ever said that to someone, actually? You should. Just, yeah. It'll just be, just be a great moment in human history when you bust that line out on someone for real. Our next poet is a wonderful poet, longtime Broken Poets member and steward. Give it up for, uh, did I say steward? <laughs> Students, give it up for Marietta Brill. taking Shira Ehrlichman's class, which is called uh, Won't You Celebrate With Me? <laughs> it's awesome. And um, I wanted to take it because um, I've been writing a lot of grim poems lately. And so um, <laughs> it was all going really well. I was writing praise poems and odes and stuff. And then I kind of fell off the wagon. And this is, how <laughs> this is what happened. It's called It Started as a Game, Throwing Rocks at a Wall. The grass was patchy between us. The sky was empty. There was the weight of a burden from something unformed and unsayable before the word burden. The rock in my hand was more than a pebble, rough, weighty, but not a burden. Uh -huh. I knew the word sister, but not the word burden, though sometimes they felt the same. The field was dry between us. I felt joy in sending my power across all the bare places. There was a pressure, a need, a hunger for the words pressure and hunger, but I knew the word need. I felt the weight of words I didn't yet know. I knew the word brother, but not the word self, or how they were different and could be the same. The field between us was rough. The rock seemed made from the same pressure I felt. Dense and roundish, parts of it glimmered. There was joy in holding a thing fitted into my palm, focused energy. To send parts of myself in flight through the air would make all the bare places beautiful. I slipped the rock in my pocket, took it out again. 
There was a joy in holding a thing I could name. The rock felt rough and full. My hands seemed to glimmer. The pressure bloomed into urgency. The rock crossed over all the bare places. My sisters and brothers were crying. They had become the wall. I felt the infinity of release. It was something like beauty. I heard the hollow knock of stone against skull, immense and unnameable. It was then I learned the word beauty and the word cruelty, the same, was this triumph. Thank you. You do have her number. <laughs> uh, that was so plangent that that you know, yeah. It's rare that I hear that anymore. You guys know that word plangent? It's such a great word. Look it up. Oh, got a little school there. Yeah, plangent. I like saying the word privy too. I said that earlier tonight. Do you guys like saying that word? It's really fun to say. Yeah, exactly. You're a lawyer, right? or you used to be a lawyer, or you're still a lawyer. Yeah, but you probably use that all the time, right? Like, you're like, I'm not privy to that. It's just like super sophisticated. <laughs> it's also like a bathroom, yeah. Yeah, you could use it for that too. Yeah, you're also a lawyer. No, he's the lawyer. Yeah. All right, all right. <laughs> that was such a weird tangent we went on, uh, but wonderful. Our next reader is Creighton Blinn. Give it up for Creighton. Within the blue-tinted light, imagine some picturesque town contorted by slanted buildings, twisted streets, shuffling pedestrians, preoccupied, angular, sharpened to a point and driven at something inexpressible, a kaleidoscope of daily activity bustling along a boulevard where young lovers mimic old dances learned prior to experience. What we have experienced, what we have lived through, is stranger still that the strop figure confesses from a garden bench, recollections dissolving into images framing another bloody fable, trying to explain the present through competing testimonies as untrustworthy, as boyers scheming in shadows or dancing with increased vigor and madness. Now I know exactly how to treat him. Cures are unbound from dusty journals, brittle tomes as well-worn as the ones which line Faust's library. Another figure, marooned on a crossroad, plagued by regrets, yearning to glide so far away from all that binds that he no longer knows the calendar. Or consider a conceited doorman stooping under cases long past his prime, unable to learn from good fortune finally smiling upon him. Why labor on a farm? Why not go running through the wheat, chasing after some ideal of pristine nature mingled with bohemian decadence? 
Each generation lives its own errors by constructing its own landmarks to beauty, reinterpreting antique verses for contemporary contexts, the same old mysticism imbibed from fresh wineskins. What never changes is how time slips away. Mis mistakes teach more than moral primers ever will or could or should, for from the mistakes are the triumphs. So awaken for a moment from your deep slumber and ponder. Perhaps you may even find that elusive link between the hands and the mind by roaming those jagged rooftops with your companions, reflected in moonlight, some eternal evening. Thank you. Thank you, Creighton. Well read, as I guess performed, as always. Our next reader, I think, is another Yop debuter. Give it up for Tiffany Clark. It's called fashion. Sorry. <laughs> the first trick she'll ever turn will be rooted in fashion. Brands will make her dance. Versace mommy won't be stopped by Miyaki. Kawakubu head to toe slay like kamikaze. They say she used the rush she attained from debit swipes and sale racks to quirk the tremors candy coated by depression. She owned 63 dresses, 140 tops, 70 shoes, and 50 pairs of bottoms to dress as vicious as the lustful sin of Gomorrah and Sodom. Incentivized by the therapist whose office sat by a boutique, hotel, hotel stays on weekends, reason to stay on fleek, she cried from the inside. Sometimes I keep my wig latched, have it sit back so I feel it so I feel how it feels to be the ones who claim they never have needed the pieces of personality. All of the drugstore makeup caked up seeped into me. A pretty bitch and a sharp brow line will always come soon. Naughty by nature type bitch lick the cake off his spoon. Compliments will earn you points. She'd mind fuck with any numb nuts, any dude. Then regret it, show remorse and act rude. Why do you do yourself so? You were blessed with more than just a passively pretty pussy Slit yourself shaving, afraid they would not accept you bushy. Don't they know that's how you came? It wasn't in you to let them define you, but you did. You weren't beautiful until they told you so, and they did. With their teeth dipped in deceit, got you standing in the aisles before they even jumped out of their seat. He wasn't looking for you before you told him all about the person that you couldn't be, wouldn't be. Shouldn't we find comfort in the Fenty that runs rich when shaded to be dicked down from a blank who didn't want only to wake up faded? They say you're an angry black girl. No, we are not. You're just jaded. For all of those two-minute encounters, I ain't with the shits. I really could have waited. But you had to find something to obsess over, to love, something that couldn't have been you. And you drove that self-hate home, fly with a passion. Your sight of lack is losing. Ain't the only thing going out of fashion. God only knows when the last trick, hopefully to God. Wash your hands of the things that don't make you you. And you'll throw out that whole file because those crop tops and low self-worth, well, they were never quite in style.
Well done. You either brought a good crew or you just won over the entire crowd. That was nice. <laughs> that was Tiffany Clark. I guess we should review. Before that, by the way, Alan Braverman isn't here, right? Yeah, I didn't think so. So that was Tiffany Clark. Before that was Creighton Blinn, Marietta Brill, Julie Hart. It was resting, resting Bitch Face. I can't even talk. Resting Bitch Face poem. Victoria Brown, Kamiya Kumar, Lisa Walthauer, right? And that brought us back to the first five, which I already reviewed. I will go over all the names at the end. Uh, our next reader is a longtime yopper. Give it up for Richard Fine. genuflecting, groveling supplicant, hugging the ground and bearing his back to serve as a carpet for some parading potentate's feet. I lick nobody's black boots, unless it's Mistress Olga's in her luscious house of discipline. Nor am I a fallen gladiator pleading for mercy before the financial backer of the game the first editor, the Roman progenitor of your professional title. The arena may now be publishing, but the contents are just as bloody. Submit, submit, submit. I should submit a manuscript so you can run, so you could turn your thumbs up or down. Never, not this pen-wielding Spartacus. I don't submit to anyone, and I'm sub to no one. And so you nabob of the somewhat erudite, high priest of the semi-literate, Charon of the slush pile, I'm not submitting to you, but accept my blessings and offer a prayers of thanksgiving that from an industry jam-packed with jaded eyes, I Deign to pick yours to behold my immortal scribbles. Yeah. Thank you, Richard. Did you get some rejections lately? Uh, I miss those little fucking things. You know, I've been telling some, I've been conferencing with a lot of posts recently. In the old days, which was like 10 years ago, <laughs> when you submitted your poems, you'd have to submit a self-addressed stamped envelope. You get a tiny little envelope back in the mail with a tiny little note inside that said, sorry. <laughs> yeah, it was smaller. It was smaller than this, actually. Yeah. Incredibly, when you got accepted, it was like the same size. You just So you really had no way of knowing. Yeah. Email is better. It's easier on the psyche. Okay, uh, that was a nice trip down memory lane. Give it up for our next poet, fantastic poet. Also conference with her at the Hamptons Retreat. Give it up for Emily Wilkinson. Yeah. 
Thank you. This poem is called Ode to Mrs. C, Mother, School Fundraiser, and Able Duplex Owner. I don't know you, Mrs. C, Melanie's mum, but I should, and you don't know me. And though we don't speak, and my daughter isn't able, you shoot across the floor to me, you're a star. With hair so pale, it twinkles in the night. And you choreographed this evening, you say, for Melanie, the money, the school, our children, and for me. And Melanie's hair is light and flossy, and all the girls want to be her. And on the day Trump rose, you couldn't rise. At least that's what you told me. And Melanie's hair is light and flossy, and all the girls want to be her. I'm sorry, I'm reading that again. And, <laughs> and, and you have a friend whose daughter, like mine, is not able. She lives in another state, but we should totally talk. Her daughter can't walk. You own a duplex, Mrs. C, and it's light and bright and your family is so democratic. They called you all night when the election count was on, again and again, and they wouldn't stop. And you didn't sleep and your friend's daughter's needs are so bad. What a time she has had. I should totally talk to her and commiserate or celebrate or whatever it is we do. And it wouldn't be pity. You don't feel sorry for me. And it's hard for me. And you appreciate me. And you em embrace me. And you take my email address so carefully. I should totally talk to your friend. Melanie's hair is bright like lemon drops and your friend lives in San Francisco with her two girls and they are both special. But one of them, the younger one, is seven. She will never look after herself. She will never be able. But it's okay, her sister's got it covered. She's nine and she's agreed to look after her forever. So sweet. You own a duplex, Mrs. C, Melanie's mum, and when Trump got in, you couldn't face your daughter. Your husband had to descend the stairs and tell her, it couldn't be you. Your legs weren't able. They don't like being sad, but they're fine now, and so is she. You have to live, and you had an event to arrange, and the school relies on you, and the school is so great, so diverse, so many pretty colors, and you celebrate, and commiserate, and you say your daughter won't hold her classmates' hands when they cry, Mrs. C. She doesn't allow them to be sad. She hates it when they scream and she walks away and it's so hard for her. She likes candy and niceness. That's why everyone wants to be her. She's okay now, you say, about Clinton not getting in, the first woman not president. In your duplex, Mrs. C, Melanie's hair catches the light through the window and she thinks of Hillary and Shopkins toys and you think of pretty skinny jeans and yellow holidays with bikinis and stars and women not presidents and democratic families and diversity and popularity and school fundraisers that cheer and celebrate and commiserate and twinkle in the night. Thank you, Emily. Emily won Poem of the Month last month in June. Uh, wonderful poem. 
for a round of applause. Uh, it's always nice when, uh, I feel like you can tell when a poet is really coming into their own. I feel like that's happening with Emily right now. She's just kicking ass with every poem she writes and reads. So, uh, good job. That sounds so lame after all that, but good job. <laughs> I've said nicer things to you on the page, so uh, let's just excuse the good job for now. Our next poet uh, is not only a lawyer, but also runs a great reading series in uh, Rutherford, New Jersey, which he'll tell you all about. Give it up for Arthur Russell. I am not going to tell you all about it, because I would use up my three minutes. But I will tell you this thing about it, that on Wednesday at 7 o'clock, Julie Hart is going to be featured as the poet of the month at the Red Wheelbarrow Poets monthly reading at the Williams Center in Rutherford, New Jersey, which is easy to get to from Midtown if you take the train to Jersey City and switch for the one to Rutherford, and then just walk three minutes down Park Avenue, you'll be at the Williams Center. So look it up and come, because we need to support, support Julie, and because all the cool people will be there. So what would that say about you if you weren't? I've been writing sonnets since I was 18, and <clears throat> I studied Shakespeare with Linda Arkin at Midwood High School. And um, I really never stopped because I love the, well, the Shakespearean sonnet, the one, two, three, four part of it, you know, how you build up. And, you know, it was Frost who said, you know, a sonnet is a poem where you say something for eight lines and then you take it back in the next six. And... Um, so I've gotten further and further away from rhyming, but I keep coming back to this format because I feel like it's a great way to say stuff and it sort of gives you a, a way to, and Julie's poem tonight was a sonnet. So this one's called Careening. And it's gotten all the way from iambic pentameter and rhyming, but I hope it has the soul of a sonnet. It's called Careening, which is a word that I'd only ever heard in a James Taylor song called uh, There's Something in the Way She Moves. But I guess people use it for other things. It's called careening. I don't want to write a poem to you or to the dark mole on your arm, to your affection threading a finger under my shirt cuff, or your octopus in ink in the water soul. I don't want to meet the onrush of your love with words that may deflect and send it away at an angle I can only watch with regret or use my verbal facility to suggest that I am anyway the master of this rowboat. But I will write a poem to you in the shape of a couch with the sound of the people talking out in the hall and the smell of a store you haven't been to in years where discount dungarees were stacked on rough tables. And the owner's mother stopped you from riffling through the piles by asking in the nicest way what you were looking for. Thank you, Arthur. 
I like that poem in the shape of a couch. Do you know that poem, The Sofa? It's an old poem. Uh, it's in blank verse. I'm trying to remember the name of the poet. Does anyone know this poem? So there's a long poem in blank verse called The Sofa. This is the English poets used to do some pretty weird shit back in like the, it was like the 18th century. Look that shit up, The Sofa. You probably think I'm bullshit, but that, it's a true fact. Uh, Shara Hardison is here, right? Yes. Uh, give it up for our reigning poem of the year winner from 2017, Shara Hardison. Thank you. This is a poem in flux. <laughs> it's uh, one that I conferenced um, at the Hamptons retreat. And I worked with Natalie Albert and... She was so complimentary, and then on a turn, uh, just sort of Xing things out willy-nilly. So Natalie giveth, Natalie taketh away. Um, anyway, this I didn't change anything, so it's still <laughs> good and bad. <laughs> She'll never know. Rotafaden. The red thread is a German expression that means recurring theme or heart of the matter. My grandma used to tie a red string around her finger to remind herself to feed the parakeets. When I was a child, the birds in their cages would squawk me awake, so I took to squawking back. The girl next door kept a jar of loose change buried in the garden for the ice cream truck. She once gave me a close-eyed kiss and a bite of her vanilla cone with sprinkles. Perhaps we learn too young how to hide from our loneliness. Space is littered with mysterious confetti. Who or what out there would want to claim it? I wonder sometimes if all the gods are dead or if they just got tired of watching. I do not have an answer, but I could write you a history of people who were kind until they weren't. I keep looking for devils here there are none but us, floating together, slave to the same gravity. I'm so afraid there's no end to all this longing. What do we owe each other? I don't know much, but breathing in this wild expansion has been worth every stitch of effort. Thank you. Well, I didn't think you should cut one thing. <laughs> you said she'll never know, but you know, this is being recorded. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to listen to this podcast. But I thought that sounded great. Um, anyway, by the way, Natalie is house and cat sitting for me, so you should just go over there and you can workshop and, my, and pet my cats at the same time. Any cat lovers in here? I asked that question last time. You either have changed or you've learned your lesson. <laughs> oh, you've always loved cat. Last time this section was just like, pssst. It was like a pin could drop. It was like dog lovers. That's true. Oh, right, you had left. Right. It was their the, anniversary, the anniversary celebration started early. That's true. Exactly. Why? I mean, that's what I always say, Patty. Why, why do you have to choose? Everyone's always like, we got to choose. Especially in America. We don't fucking choose in America. I mean, it's, it's like the history of the country. What the fuck? <laughs> that was well said. <laughs> Arthur Russell, everyone. The country of and. That sounds like you're a book title for you. 
All right. Our next poet is the reigning yopper of the year from 2017. Give it up for Emily Blair. Yeah! feeling kind of physically crappy today. I don't know. So I'm going to read my post-apocalyptic poem here. Um, it's like grass pollen and the Trump administration together. Um, all right. So this is actually inspired by the film Stalker, the Tarkovsky film. It's a good film. Um, it's really long, though, and this poem is much shorter. So. Right. The Zone. Today we'll walk in circles through the sad remains of institutions. Nothing's eerier than an obsolete instructional sign. Hmm. That crumbling of certainty. It doesn't matter how much you hate authority. People used to know what to do here without the use of jump cuts or divining rods, without an experimental film score. It's strange that Queen Anne's lace and bits of rebar are creepier than a mowed lawn. <laughs> Why is it more troubling to stumble through a dark, deserted schoolhouse than to flick on a fluorescent light and find desks in rows? As though that weren't a kind of ruin also. The difference is, once there was funding, they used it to bury radioactive materials in the ground. Sorry, but you can't go off in a direct line. There is no here to there. We must employ our peripheral vision, skirt the edges, What's killing us is probably invisible, doesn't even shimmer, just foams in the river. Which is all to say that if you feel an intense vibration or just a run-of-the-mill foreboding, come right back. <laughs> Don't get mired in deep green shadows. Don't flaunt your free will. Not until you get better at identifying poison ivy. At telling the difference between diversions, distractions, and traps. Which tableau are accidental, which arranged. Newspapers torn into poems, calligraphic curlicues of rusty wire, a hubcap collecting clouds in its convex mirror. Everything glows with equal parts importance and irrelevance. Some machine you almost recognize feathered with silt in the stream bed. No longer useful except as an image to end on. Like me, your humble guide, lying down in the sepia mud and closing my eyes. Thank you. Sometimes I say damn good, sometimes I say god damn. Uh, and Emily is always good, right? It's just like it's like one of the things you can you can just rely on. Like LeBron being I mean LeBron's a Laker now. By the way, LeBron's a Laker now, right? But uh you, Yeah, I know. Yeah, I know. You can always rely but you can always rely on him being good. Yeah. I was strangely not that mad. It's probably because I was in the Hamptons and uh <laughs> Does he? <laughs> uh, it was so. It was so great. They signed uh, Rondo and Stevenson after that. I was gonna say something. I can't remember what I was gonna say. She uh, <laughs> said it was a shame. That was such a great under the breath troll. Thank you. Uh, the last few readers. That was Emily Blair. Before that was Shara Hardison, Arthur Russell, Emily Wilkinson, Richard Fine, and Tiffany Clark. So we're onto the waitlist. We have time for three poets off this waitlist. Our first reader 
is not only our fabulous events assistant who takes your money and does the good work, but she also runs a great new poetry performance series called Girlhood. I just watched uh, one of these shows last night, and the next show is in August. She'll tell you about that. Give it up for Helen Hunter. Thank you. Thank you, Jason. Yes, we have um, one more show in our poetry series. That will be... Um, on Sunday, August 5th, it's at 7.30 p.m. in Midtown, and um, it's tickets by donation, and we give a portion of our proceeds to a women's domestic violence outreach, and we have a different lineup of poets and singer-songwriters for every show, so we have a really killer show coming at you in August. You can find more information on our Instagram of our production company, which is Honey Dip Girls, at Honey Dip Girls, all one word, and also www.honeydipgirls.com, so quite a plug. Anyways. Yeah, it is an LLC. I pay taxes on that thing. Um, anyways, so I'm going to read my poem now. Um, and I turned to my sister and I said, you're about to meet the girl who broke my heart. And she squeezed my hand tight and looked at me with eyes that said, she never deserved you. I think if you love me hard enough, I will snap like biting into a carrot stick. And when I break open, words will flood out. I always wished I needed glasses because the world as I see it blurs the lines of good and horrifying, but I think that's what it means to be a writer. I wrote so many things for you that you never chose to read. I did so many things for you that you never chose to see. I kissed so many lips that weren't yours to be rid of you, and instead I'm full of you and all the unfinished ways you left me in. Change came to me quickly at first with the breath of freedom easily and falling quickly like summer rain, but then the lonely feeling crept out, spreading across my skin in speckles, and the ache from deep in my roots, rotting because I didn't tend to them, looking at the suitcase from the trip that was you that I never unpacked, staring at me in the corner. Thank you. Thank you, Helen. Uh, well done. You should definitely see the show. Uh, not only is it a great show, but uh, they have this amazing venue. There's a roof on top of a church, and uh, it surprises the fuck out of you when you get up there. You're like, holy shit. <laughs> like, you, you just don't think this church is going to have this amazing rooftop. And uh, you have, like, unlimited free boxed wine, too. So uh, I was drinking that until 11 o'clock last night. And, uh, yeah, well after you guys left, you know. You guys thought the party was ending, but uh, I was there till, till the... Till the amazing end, which ended in a subway ride from Port Authority. Our next reader is a fantastic poet. Got to spend some time with her in the Hamptons. You probably just you're probably all sick of hearing that if you were in the Hamptons, but if you were, you love it. Give it up for Liz Adams. Linens. I have taken to stealing napkins at bars. Those French country accents, very chic and understated, a wishful me. Dab at the corners of my mouth, wipe away words I didn't mean to say. I'll clean the sullied cotton with its periwinkle striped border. I'll wash it by hand, let it air dry pressed to a warm window the way my grandmother showed me to wash a handkerchief. I carried hers 
down the aisle with its gossamer lace, the color of sky, of possibility, of first love. Nothing lasts but her cloth of delicate grace to wipe away the loss. I still have linens to wash, squeezing out the water, each time remembering her worn hands. Thank you, Liz. Thank you, Arthur. <laughs> I, lo I love that yes at the end. Um, that's what we all want to hear, right? You finish your poem, yes. Okay, we're on to our final reader of the night. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong in your last name. Is it Ozero? Yeah. Ozero? That's exactly right. Give it up for Jen Ozero. <laughs> No, no, that's right. Um, it's called um, Cerulean. Each color was born somewhere. Who noticed it first, gave it its name, held it in their mind, loved it, remembered it, after they'd moved on to something else. When my son was very small, he used to ask me, hopefully, if I ever experienced feelings or letters or words, but especially he wondered, numbers as a color. He had heard of the condition called synesthesia. His other mom had explained it to him, and he was deeply connected with numbers, most of all. He felt in numbers and expressed himself numerically. He loved in numbers and played with them tenderly, and perhaps finding a safe space there in what is its own universe with a language he could speak fluently. I think in asking that question, he wanted to connect with me, and at three and four, he wanted to tell me something about himself and was looking for some common ground. I go to color for reassurance. The first times, as a young painter, insecure about my ability to draw correctly and articulate anything with line and the confident use of shading, I found strength and a voice, my own, with color. I didn't have to think or hesitate. I remember the first times I moved intuitively, saying what I meant, meaning what I said, building up layers of form and feeling and taking it all apart again with ease. What I find there and what I don't, can't, won't, days, weeks, months, years, when I won't let myself go there, to that place where I know the language and other people understand when I talk. Thank you. Damn good. I feel like that you were saying yes to that whole poem. That was that was a great poem. Okay, that is it. Let me review the readers for you. Get ready to vote. I'll say my number again after it. That was Jen Ozero. Before that was Liz Adams, Helen Hutner, Emily Blair, Shara Hardison, Arthur Russell in the orange shirt, Emily Wilkinson, Richard Fine in the blue shirt, Tiffany Clark, Creighton Blaine in the black shirt. Apparently, I don't remember anyone else's shirt colors. Marietta Brill, Julie Hart, Victoria Brown, Kamiya Kumar, Lisa Waltauer, 
Julia Knobloch, Isaac Myers III, Joe Nashton in the white shirt, I believe, <laughs> Gerald Wagoner, and Bonnie Belay. All right. The number to vote for Poem of the Month is 718-374-1953. 718-374-1953. Please vote once. I'm, I'm going to notice if you vote twice, unless you have two numbers. Don't tell anyone that's not here to vote. That's, uh, what is that? that what, that's crappy. Uh, don't make me, that's skanky. <laughs> we should bring that word back, by the way. It's such a great I word. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that word was like really current for a while, and then it passed out of use, and now you've brought it back. Thank you for that. Uh, yeah, that would be skanky if you tell someone else who is not here to vote. That does, that's happened before, and it totally blows. Um, okay. Our next yup is August, whatever the second, what's the second Monday of August? 14th? You know that for sure? You don't even know. The 13th, yeah. I will be back. I'm flying back on uh, August 11th. It's a red eye. They're all fucking red eyes from Brazil, goddamn. I'm going to sleep all day on Sunday and be back at this motherfucker on Monday. We do have a... You you know me. You should read my book. You've read my book. (laughs) Yeah, you know there's a lot of that. We have a reading at the NYC Poetry Festival, which you may know is coming up on Governor's Island. It's the last weekend of July. You gotta take a ferry to that shit. <laughs> Do it, it's a few dollars. We have a reading featuring Ariel Francisco, Annalisa Sotelo, coming all the way from Houston, and Angel Nafis, who I've been wanting to get to read for a long time. Uh, fantastic Brooklyn poet. I will not be there. That's the first event I will not be hosting personally in the history of Brooklyn Poets. You know why? Because I'm gonna be fucking getting married, that's why. So, if you go to that reading, don't miss me too much. Our good man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'll be in another country getting betrothed. Uh, but uh, the reading will go on without me. Uh, that's Sunday, July. I think that's July 29th. So definitely check that out. We'll be back here August 13th for the Yop. Uh, Marwa Halal will be teaching that workshop and kicking off the workshop. She is great. Uh, so definitely come out for that. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. have it, the Brooklyn Poets Yop open mic for July 9th, 2018. Thanks very much to our professor for the night, Lee Stein, coming all the way from Connecticut to teach in the flesh a little glimpse. Uh, can you teach a glimpse? Well, maybe you can. Uh, teaching a little morsel of her upcoming online workshop, Poetry Rehab, which starts on July 19th. Uh, so those in the audience got to see and work with Lee in person. The registration deadline for that is, actually it's already passed. I'm realizing now that I am recording this before I'm going to post it two weeks later. You're getting a little look behind the curtain, I guess. But by the time this goes live, the workshop will have started already. So you missed it, uh, if you are listening now. In any case, thank you to Lee. Uh, congrats to Julia Knobloch for winning Poem of the Month for July for her incredible poem, Gasp, which, as I mentioned during the open mic, she workshopped with me at our Hamptons retreat just a, a week before the Yop. Very excited about that. This is the second time Julia has won Poem of the Month. 
uh, at the Yop. And of course, the first time she won Poem of the Month, she then won Poem of the Year right after that. Uh, so uh, this may be uh, a second for her. She's also going against Arthur Russell, who was won Poem of the Month for the second time this year. So uh, this will be a star-studded Poem of the Year Smackdown coming your way in December. Our next Yop comes your way on August 13th when I will be back from my wedding in Brazil, just a day before that. Marwa Halal will be teaching the workshop then, giving you a little glimpse of what she's going to be teaching in the fall for us uh, in her five-week class. Hope you can come. If you want to sign up, go to brooklynpoets.org. Find out all the info there. The open mic lineup usually does fill quickly, so best to sign up as early as possible if you want to read at the open mic. Thanks for listening. If you could rate us on iTunes, that would be fantastic. Spread the word. Subscribe to us. Uh, Word of mouth definitely helps. And, uh, yeah, that's all I got for now. Hope you're well. Hope you're enjoying this weather. And uh, we will see you in August. Take care.